Welcome, everyone, to the L7C Podcast NBA Edition. Today, we are going to be talking some NBA offseason hoops. Uh, going to talk about the Cavs draft pick. We're going to talk about a little summer league. Going to talk about some free agency. Going to talk a little Drew League. That's right, a little Drew League. But for all our basketball knowledge on the L7C, we got our guy, Mr. Evan Debo. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing good, Martin. It's been a uh, eventful June. As you laid the table there, tons of tons of movement from from the draft to players to um, and free agency to potential players. A lot to recap. Yeah. So the way we're gonna do it, guys, is I know we're a little behind, but it's all right. We're gonna catch you up on the L7C side of things. We're gonna talk about the Cavs picks and the draft. What Evan liked, didn't like about those picks. Then we're gonna talk about players. In the draft that we liked their pick. Some people went places we didn't think they were going to go. Then we'll talk about, we will talk about KD free agency, and then we'll go into the summer league and Drew League stuff. But Evan, let's get right into it, man. The NBA draft did conclude uh, about a month or so ago, and our Cleveland Cavaliers had some picks, and they were not the picks you nor I expected. Yeah. Um, so the Cavs ended up with a 14th pick in the lottery, selecting uh, Kansas's Ochai Abadji. Um, and you know Ochai had Ochai and the Cavs had been linked for a while, and I mean there were four or five guys, and it just mattered about you know it, it just where stuff guy uh, where where guys have landed. Um, a lot of folks were interested interested to see if the Cavs would go for Jalen Williams of Santa Clara. Um, Thunder would take him actually a uh, high riser in the draft, took him two slots ahead of them. So he was off the board. Um, AJ Griffin was a surprising fall that was available. You know, I think there were some health questions there. Uh, really good spot shooter. The Hawks took him at, at 16. Um, but it was really, by the time the Cavs drafted, I think it was basically between Abaji and Griffin. We knew they weren't going to take Mark Williams out of Duke. They didn't need another big man. Um, I'm still really high on Tari Eason out of LSU ended up going 17 so you had essentially three guys there you know and then some some homer discussion for hey what about malachi branham who ended up going to the spurs uh, at 20 and that's such a such a spursy pick right getting getting branham uh down the list there but um the Cavs with with abaji and now we've seen you know we saw some playing four out of five summer league games before they sh- uh, shut him down just to see what you're getting in him and you know, I think that's kind of what we were what we were kind of looking for um, was somebody who could who could space the floor in terms of perimeter shooting. Um, you know, we really needed you know guys. When you have two non shooters really in Mobley and Allen in the front court because they do so much defensively and you know are such uh, you know heathens in the paint. You know, just you know getting putbacks and um, being efficient and everything else. And Mobley starting to stretch the range is that you really need guys around Darius Garland. Um, and those those non-shooters who can just shoot the lights out. And we, we saw Abashi put shots up in Summer League. Um, you know, they, they did so many pin downs for him. Um, he's very active off ball, tons of movement. He's about 6'5", pushing 6'6". Six, six. So definitely on the smaller side, a lot of questions on, hey, is he a two, is he a three? Um, but I really liked what I saw out of him, and I, I liked the prospect of pairing him with, the guys the Cavs have, you know, I think in, you know, potentially depending on how camp goes and stuff too, this is a guy that could take some minutes from some, some vets like Jetty Osmond from, um, you know, Lamar Stevens from 
uh, an Isaac Okora standpoint, you know, we're still waiting on that jumper to develop, and Isaac is a phenomenal defender. He'll be coming to his third year in the league, but still needs to develop that that three-point shot. But, um, you know, again, I, I like, I think, for what was available to the Cavs, I definitely think he's a, a high-character guy, too, a guy who's motivated, who's passionate, who, you know, is just, uh, you know, in it to to grind and to, to prove himself. So, Martin, what did you think about the pick? Yeah, I, I don't have that much to add to what you did say. I did really thought that Malachi was going to go to Cleveland because he was available and for like the Homer pick and all the talk mid-winter, late winter of Malachi rising up to potentially being a top 10 pick and then he doesn't go until 20th. So that was one of my surprises that he quote-unquote dropped from all the pre-draft hype. But I thought they were going to go that way. But I think it was also a good pick because I did watch Ajabi. I mean, I watched him play at Kansas a lot because Kansas was who I picked to win the national title. So I was watching them a lot as well. So I don't think that was a bad pick. Evan, I was going to ask you about Mr. Dop, D-I-O-P. Any relation to the former Cavalier? Sagan Jop, no, they actually oh. asked him his, his press conference. So mm-hmm. he was one of the picks at the end. Um, I, you know, again, I, I question why they do these things. He, again, they brought him up. He was the only guy available in, in the country, I think, at the time to, mm-hmm. on a quick notice, um, you know, be a part of the initial press conference. So we heard from this young man. Um, and like the Cavs had no plans to even put him in summer league. He clearly is a draft and stash. And, if we move players and stuff around our front court gets light, like we could bring them over kind of thing. Same thing with New Zealand, uh, New Zealander Luke Travers. We ended up playing for our summer league team too. And then, um, you know, again, doing the, Hey, uh, we're going to draft Giannis's brother move and, and grab Isaiah Mobley um, with our other, our fourth pick in the second round. Um, and actually signed him to a two way deal. Um, so he played for us in summer league too, but um, no, no relations. But I just feel bad they propped him up there and, you know, asking questions about, you know, what do you feel your skill set is and everything else. And everybody and their brother knew this too wasn't going to dribble basketball for us in 2022. And then there was also another, but there was a relation in one of the picks. Isaiah Mobley, who was related to the person who should have won Rookie of the Year. Yes. Isaiah, um, Isaiah stayed in school, thought about coming out, ended up staying another year. And kind of was the pinpoint person, obviously his dad uh, being a coach on, on USC's team, um, you know, heavy hand in his development. Um, and we got to see him play in, in summer league a little bit. Definitely struggled, I think, with the college. He, he could step out and hit three-pointers in a short sample size in summer league. He was really struggling. And at times I thought he was just chucking. Um, his field goal percentage, I think, heading into the final game was like 30-some percent for uh, – you know, a six, nine guy, which is just awful, but, um, he's got, you know, good, good nose around the basket, be a force down there. Um, a polished passer, um, similar to what, uh, Evan is, but yeah, so he'll be, he'll be for sure on the Cavs roster for one of their two, two way deals, um, heading into the season. And then there was one more draft pick that the Cavs did make they had four picks Evan do you want to talk about Mr. Luke yeah Luke so Luke Travers uh, again a a New Zealand guy 
you know, came over and uh, he looks at a lot of comps to Billy from Stranger Things. Um, got the mullet going on and uh, the stash, the stash look. And, you know, again, I think Abaji had said in an interview of like, you know, I think a lot of people look at Luke Travers and say, this dude can't play basketball. Um, and he's got kind of, you know, some quirky movement to him and everything else, but he did play for us in summer league. And I mean, he could hit, I think a couple, couple shots from deep. So he's got the ability there, but what I really was impressed with was his basketball IQ Martin. I mean, some of the threads in the needle he was making mm-hmm. in transition, like he looked like early Larry bird out there scaled back in, in terms of actual talent to uh, G league. He just, I mean, he, he'd catch you off guard with some stuff like that. So I definitely feel like, and, and I feel like at this point, Luke knows this is like Luke, Luke won't make the team this year but um i think he'll i think he's definitely in contention to you know maybe come over next year depending on how the roster stuff shakes out the Cavs are capped right now and still haven't re-signed colin sexton so they have no room whatsoever anywhere um unless they start you know uh, getting in on a as a three-way you know team to help facilitate a big player move in somewhere and can send along a player or two to open up a spot but um, that's kind of where he's at right now. But again, I was really impressed with what I saw with, with Luke and, and Summer League. I think most people were too. With these four picks and knowing what we already have on the team, what would you grade the Cavs draft? That's a tough one. I mean, I think, I definitely think I, I mean, it, it's all yet to be determined, right? Because these young men haven't played a basketball game, but I think, where they were drafting, who's available in terms of health and guys that meet their timeline and 22 year old Abaji and, you know, not, um, you know, going above and beyond selling the farm to move up, you know, either into the deeper in the first round um, lottery order further up the list or, you know, trying to trade back in that, you know, they didn't give up future assets. They're kind of playing with house money with that first round pick that, you know, they really traded for um, Karis LeVert. Um, they didn't end up conveying because Kobe made it lottery protected, thankfully. So we get, you know, a, a really great player who can who can shoot and um, you know shoot off the dribble and add some some depth in a body. And then you get some other pieces for, you know, maybe two three years down the road too, depending on how things bounce out. So um, I'd probably say I'd probably say a B plus or A minus. Okay, okay. It's always hard to grade these things because, like you said, we have not seen them in regular season. Uh, play and then obviously like the experts put like oh a d minus c minus c plus b but it's like to come back 10 years from now and one of these people is a contributing double digit score double digit rebounder and like that's how i feel like you really know so i feel like with drafts you can't grade them until you get like a sample size of like three to five years yeah, I mean, I, again, I think Abaji is going to be in the league a while. You know, again, injuries will play a, a part, and we don't know who that's going to affect yet in any draft pick. But, right. you know, I definitely see a lot of Danny Green potential in him. Okay. Um, you know, potentially, potentially better. Uh, I think he's a better athlete than Danny was and is in terms of you know, being able to attack the, the basket. And, you know, I think he has some tools defensively that, you know, could elevate him above that. And then, you know, the ceiling is, ceiling is his for being able to get his own shot and stuff. So. Martin, we go from pick 14 to before we start identifying some folks that, you know, just to have a comment or two on other than the draft. Let's go to the number one overall pick where I think just about everybody thought it was between Chet and 
um, thought Jabari Smith was going to end up going number one. And then, you know, we see the Woj tweets like 10, 15 minutes before, you know, the, the pick comes out that Paulo Bencaro from Duke is uh, your number one pick from the Magic. So, um, one, I think that shocked a lot of people, and rightfully so. Um, you know, the Magic franchise has been looking for that, that star for forever. You know, they really haven't had much, much draft success uh, since Dwight Howard. Um, you know, I do like the, the Franz pick, you know, uh, in the last year or two years out of Michigan, but, um, Paul goes number one, they never worked him out. Um, and there's been a lot of questions and you're like, well, did, did Powell even want to go there? Is that why he refused to work out? Did they not tender it? Magic front office has been playing it off like, oh, you know, we kind of knew what we were getting with him and, you know, just didn't materialize. I'm like, it's the number one overall pick in the draft. What do you mean it didn't materialize? It's like, get Mercedes from Carvana delivered to your house and you haven't even sat in the driver's seat. Like I, I just don't get that Martin. So I think in our talking that shocked you too. Yeah. I did not have uh, Pablo going number one. I really just didn't. I thought it was going to be Jabari Smith jr. And I thought Chet was going to be after that, but Hey, I mean, I don't like the falling in our lap thing, like you said, because like you have the number one pick, you control the whole draft. Yeah, it's not like you're playing. It's not like you need to hide who you're going to go with, like but from anybody. Nobody picks ahead of you. Like you, you set the tone. I mean, I think I was surprised in the fact that all the buzz was Jabari, but I was not surprised in terms of talent. I actually like the pick because I think Powell is the best player in this draft. I think I said that on the last pod too. Is, you did you know, again. I just think he. He commands, um, you know, so much attention defensively. Um, what he's able to do and produce from, you know, playmaking standpoint to, you know, the being able to get his own shot, especially from, uh, you know, the elbows. Like he's he's got a little bit of he's got a little bit of kind of old school Kevin Love to him in some extent. But um, I think he's an incredibly dynamic player. Um, we saw in summer league him produce. Uh, for the two games or so he played um, at a high level, most notably going head to head with Jabari. Um, but uh, no, I mean, I, I, I'm not surprised in terms of talent. Cause I think he's worthy of the number one pick. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was all the, all the tea leaves, all the reports, all the everything pointed in Jabari's direction there. Like you said about the magic, they truly haven't been relevant, relevant since Dwight left. And I'm looking at, the ringers big board and they said he has shades of Chris Chris Weber and Julius Randall. I don't know if I mean Chris is obviously was a phenomenal player and all that and Julius has been doing well for himself and has improved all that. But I don't know if that's gonna get your team over the hump with the roster you currently have constructed. Yeah, so I mean they they got rid of Aaron Gordon and uh, in the last uh, last two years, you know, they got rid of Vucevic. You know, they've, they've done some movement there. Um, they, they acquired Mark Elfold, who's rebounded a little bit. Um, you know, I think a, a definitely a viable, you know, scoring guard. Um, not, you know, where they thought he was going to be as a number one pick, you know, in the Jason Tatum draft. But, you know, again, with you got Franz Wagner, um, you know, they've re-signed. Um, Bamba, you've got Paolo in the fold now that, you know, I mean, it's a team that's got to play a bunch of young guys, Cole Anthony, 
um, you know, and continue to develop and continue to get them to buy in night in and night out and get some NBA miles under their belt, you know, as they try to try to grow and get some cohesion there. So, I mean, they're, they're a young rebuilding team um, and young rebuilding teams need um, high profile um, offensive weapons. And that's exactly what they got in Paulo. So, you know, I, I definitely think they'll be back towards the top of the lottery again next year. But, you know, again, that's just how you do is you take your lumps and um, you got to hit on some picks and hopefully Paulo's one for them. So Martin, outside, outside of that, um, who are three players or three topics from the draft that, that kind of surprised you here real quick as we, as we sum things up from the draft? Uh, well, I guess we'll just kind of go, let's just kind of go back and forth. All right. So one of them I did already say, I didn't think Malachi would drop to 20. But since I already said that, I will go to the other Buckeye. I didn't think he was not going to get picked to the first round because he was projected to be a first-round pick, and I didn't see him dropping that low with EJ Liddell. Yeah, and then the awful news with the, the mm-hmm. ACL tear, and he won't he won't play likely in, um, in this upcoming year, just awful. But that was a slide. I mean, again, he's just – if you watched him like we did, game in and game out Ohio state. I mean, that's just a winning guy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've seen other instances where like, let's use our hometown bias and say like, man, I can see Aaron Kraft connecting at the NBA level. He's just a winning <laughs> dude. Yeah. Um, you know, you think, you think college football with Tim Tebow, just a winning dude. Like, but you know, EJ has got a lot of skill to him. He's gone back and really been a consistent three point shooter, particularly yes. spot on to top at the top of the arc. Um, and then that lethal little turnaround thing he has. I mean, he's definitely undersized for the power forward spot, but I mean, he's just a crafty guy. Again, I, I see him as, you know, potentially a, definitely a Taj Gibson like player with range, you know, maybe not the strongest guy in the gym, you know, in the post, but, um, you know, a, a three, four kind of, you know, Julius Randall type two that can, you know, certainly be productive for a team, but just awful ACL news. I was surprised by that too. What was one that you were surprised oh, by? For me, I, because I, I want to dunk on them so hard because they're the Sacramento Kings, but them taking Keegan Murray ahead of Jaden Ivey, um, we only mm. got to see like a quarter and a half out of Jaden Ivey, but I'm like, I mean, so many people try to get up and get number four, you know, to get to get Jaden Ivey, knowing that Smith, Holmgren, and Bancaro were going to go one, two, three in some order. Um, Jaden's just so explosive. Um, just a blur to the rim. I mean, he just, the potential there is amazing, but got injured and, you know, just out of abundance of caution, they, they didn't bring him back in the game or it wasn't worthwhile to play him in the rest of the summer league. So, you know, that, that surprised me that the, the Kings went Keegan Murray, but I don't think it's as big as a, you know, by any means Kings drafting, not drafting um, Luca and taking uh, Marvin Bagley instead. Like, we're not in that territory because Keegan Murray can flat ball, man. I don't know if you watched some of his summer league at all, but, I mean, Guy had, I think, at least three 20-point games, can stroke it from three, um, long and kind of got that that Tatum-like length to him. Um, And then very much, like, he's got kind of like the Kawhi demeanor where, like, you never see an expression on his face, mad or whatever. The dude just plays. He just balls. Only had one scholarship offer, I think, coming into, you know, eventually going to Iowa with his brother. Um, and guys just elevated from his first year to his second year. Um, phenomenal score in the Big Ten. I, I, I definitely think the Kings got a guy there. Um, but the, the Ivy pick 
split a little bit. So, I, you know, again, I, I kind of like some of the moves the Kings have made recently. Um, you know, but again, like, I, I don't know. Like, I still think, I still think both are going to be good players. Like, it could be, a, you know, not to the scale of a Trey and Luca, but, you know, I think three years down the road, you might well want, still want Ivy over Murray. But I think it's, we could be heading towards where it's a little closer than what I originally thought. So that was a surprise there that the Kings didn't take Ivy that everybody wanted it for. How about you for your number two? So speaking of Jaded, I was just like him going to Detroit. It's interesting to me because obviously Detroit had the number one pick last year and they took Cade Cunningham. So now you have something where if all else, you potentially have your backcourt for the foreseeable future with Jade and Ivy. Cause to me, maybe just, we talked about Homer glasses. I mean, I watch a lot of big 10 basketball and Jade and Ivy was the bane of OSU's existence for the time he was at Purdue. So I know how good he is. So him and Kate, it's like, if they get a potential good big man, maybe two, three, four years down the road that could be in for a playoff spot because once you have your backcourt in this league filling out the rest is kind of easier but that's what i was more i was interested in just thinking how him and kate are going to play together yeah mark um do you have it was that you technically a second one you got another second you got no i got another second one i just want to talk about Jaden since he is a big 10 guy but then when you go down with the Pelicans, number eight, Dyson Daniels. Only reason I really, really want to, yeah, I like him too. The only reason too I want to highlight him is obviously he came from the G League Ignite from Australia, and he was the first player picked in the draft from a G League team. And then you have the uh, Hardy. Yep. And then My you also. Oh, yeah. So it's cool seeing like those G League picks like start to come up. So just wanted to highlight him and the Pelicans. I mean, they They got some studs, man. They got some horses. Yeah. And then, like, obviously, we talked about them getting EJ and they're really good. Obviously, they made the McCollum trade. They got Brandon Ingram. (laughs) We joked about him because we're like, how are you hurt doing 360s standing up? Zion's coming back, which there's something I do want to ask you when we get to the free agency KD part about Zion, but that team, I really like the Pelicans, man. Maybe because I'm a real Brandon Ingram fan of how he's improved once he got off of LA, but they were out there drafting and I really liked all their picks. I don't think they're, I don't think they're done yet. I don't know what the move is just yet, but, um, you know, assuming, assuming Zion can play basketball, Let's assume Zion can play basketball again. Um, better, they paid him, and yeah, he he better because they paid him. Yeah, a gamble of a payment in my eyes. But um, you know, again, I think I think they've got so many pieces, and Dyson Daniels, I think, is going to be a huge um, next step in that too. So I mean, I you got to worry about how you're going to get um, playing time to all these guys. I just feel like they've got they're loaded at every position with with young, young players mixed with vets and um, such as Larry Nance too. I mean, beyond all the superstars, you know, filling out the ends of the roster that, you know, again, I, I really like Dyson Daniels. Um, he's long, he's um, six, six, seven, six to eight ish. 
I believe, you know, just great defensively, really kind of rose, um, you know, again, to be the top one over Jaden Hardy, who was kind of the, the dessert um, of sorts um, on the team that everybody's looking forward to making the next level. But, um, you know, I think for me, my, my number two um, selection here, I'm going to start, th- I'm going to, there's a couple, I mean, easy spots. I already talked about being high on Tyree Eason. But I want to go into the second round where there's some guys in summer league that pops out and like these. You might see these guys kind of really blossom here as the season progresses on. And my first is um, actually the last pick of the first round, uh, Peyton Watson out of UCLA. So um, he was traded to Denver on draft night, only averaged four points and three rebounds. But I mean he he's a six eight forward who can handle who can run the pick and roll and just really performed well in summer league, I think. I mean, he, he could pull up, and um, he was just chucking threes and, you know, laying them in, like, layups. Like, uh, that's a guy I could really see kind of expand um, things and, and really do well for Denver. So that's my number two. Martin, who's your, who's your number three storyline or person from the draft? I feel like every draft you can go to the Knicks because the Knicks did get the first um, overseas international player from the New Zealand Breakers. And ever since, I guess, I don't know how far you want to go back, but when someone traded him. Yeah. And then they traded him. So I just, I (laughs) do that. I just want to talk. They traded to OKC. OKC has more draft picks than God knows what. So, I don't know what the Knicks are doing, man. Like every draft, I'm like, oh, the Knicks are always hyped for the draft. And then they do something. I'm like, what are you guys doing? So that is my third, like WTF New York Knicks. Please explain. So I think as a part of the deal, I think they got two firsts out of it. So, um, you know, again, that's potential assets in the war chest to go big game hunting like they've tried to do and failed at miserably since mm-hmm. they put all their chips in when they didn't get LeBron or Wade or Bosch and they gave Amari Sotomayor a brink's truck. Um, but I think my final piece here, um, my final discussion point from the draft, I think it just generally is um, our friend Byron's Oklahoma City Thunder. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've got, so you, in addition to, you know, Shea Gilgis Alexander, um, you know, and some of the young, young studs they've got coming up, you know, you've got Chet now who really performed well defensively in summer league, um, with a block monster cash in two of their Jillian four, uh, their Jillian first round picks for the Knicks to, uh, yep. Move up and get, um, the giant question mark in the draft is Monjang. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, again, just a really raw, you know, six foot 10 prospect, um, that, you know, shows you some shades of, Hey, this could be a Michael Porter like guy at some point, but he's just, he's still got, you know, the baby fat on him. He's still, um, you know, again, not quite even grown into, you know, his frame that everybody's projecting him to grow into. So, you know, you've got those folks there. And again, I really love the Jalen Williams pick out of Santa Clara. So, I mean, they, they're stocked with young guys. I mean, this is the, the end all, Hey, if you're going to trade everything away and get all these assets and picks, at a certain point, these picks become players if you don't use them to retool and get a superstar or, you know, get some, some established talent. And now you got to find room, um, you know, alongside Josh Giddies of the world, too, to go out, perform, and grow them. And, you know, we're going to see a, a team that gets up and down and 
you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Oklahoma City team, you know, they're going to lose. I think they're still going to lose games, but, you know, I think they're going to score a lot. You know, I think they're going to – I mean, I would not be surprised if, hey, like you get Milwaukee on a back-to-back and it's like a 130-129 game kind of thing. Like I, I think they have the, the kind of raw chuck it, um, you know, talent to go out and do that. So that's my third one, Martin. Oklahoma City. <laughs> the good old – Good old thunder. Evan, man, let's transition from the draft to then talk about free agency. And let's get the elephant out of the room. The biggest thing of free agency was out of nowhere, Kevin Durant requested for a trade. We're still at July 17th, 2022 time of recording. He hasn't been traded. This was shocking to a lot of people. What did you think when you saw that news? Yeah, I mean, I I was shocked. Um, you know, it was interesting. There was so much discussion on Kyrie, and you know, he was granted permission to go out and try to find a sign and trade. Uh, you know, partner obviously couldn't do it. You know, his agents floating out there. We got you know multiple people, multiple teams interested. Bull crap. Um, I. Uh, that uh, he ended up opting in, taking his money, opting into that that next part of the deal, get the security, and like the ink wasn't dry on the paper, and Kevin Durant's like, yeah, I, I don't want to deal with that cat. <laughs> like what? I mean, I'm just surprised. So there's so many different there's so many different things here, right? So I think rightfully Brooklyn should be mad. I think NBA ownership should be mad. I mean, Kevin's got four years left on his deal, requesting a trade out, like. It's just, it's absolutely astounding to me. I mean, contracts mean nothing anymore to just try to force your way out. And, you know, this is, this was on the eve of free agency on July 1. So I can't remember if this came out the 30th or it came out early in the day on the 1st. Um, and we're now at uh, July 17th and there's been no movement, anything like that. I'm sure teams are interested, but so with, with Kevin, I mean, I just, I don't know. I think it's, Player empowerment, sure, yeah, but like at a certain point, you sign your name on the dotted line to go play somewhere for four years. Like, like I get that we're in this new world where, hey, with two years left or a year left, you can like tell people I ain't gonna resign if you're Anthony Davis. You might as well get what you can for me now. Um, those kinds of things. But with four years left, like, who who does that? And then two, like, you chose Brooklyn. Like, you left Golden State to go to Brooklyn and make them sign DeAndre Jordan, who hasn't been able to play competitive basketball in 10 years to a deal and get Kyrie Irving out there and disrupt your locker room. And, you know, again, and then to give up the, you know, what's left of the farm to go get your buddy, James Harden. And you're left with this giant implosion. And, you know, a lot of it can said about, you know, again, this is, you know, Kyrie's fault and, Carol Owens of basketball and locker room cancer and, you know, everything else. But like they get Brooke in part, you know, there's, there's a blame on Brooklyn too. Cause like you coddled this environment. Like there's always that fine line to walk between, Hey, we want to check in with the players and see what they want to do. But I mean, it seems like they just let two dudes come in, gave them the keys to the Lambo, um, the G wagon and the three mansions and then they trash it all. And now they're like, yeah, dog, we're, we're sorry about that, but we're, we're going to leave. Like, 
it, it's tough because you you don't instill the values and the discipline necessary to win titles and build a, a culture when you just give it all to the players like that. But like, I, it's frust it's frustrating because again, like Kevin chose this. Kevin was behind all of this. And I get that Kyrie Irving has destroyed most of it probably, but at the end of the day, Kevin's the one doing this. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's not going to look pretty. The history books are not going to look good on this. Like you start to see the, the memes start to make the rounds and stuff of, Hey, like LeBron James has changed teams a lot of times, a lot of times, but you know what LeBron James has done? He's never asked out early from his contract. Mm-hmm. He's won a title at every stop he's been at. Like, I think that's – I think Kevin hides in the shadow of that, and Kevin's legacy is going to be in the shadow of that. Of, you know, he wanted to get out of the the Steph Curry shadow and everything else, and now you're in this improbable spot where, you know, everybody's waiting on there to be some news about some team that comes forward and gets Kevin Durant. Well, like, Brooklyn knows what they have in him as an asset, right? Like, they know that you don't just get – you know, depending on, you know, health and the year and stuff. Like, I all think they, uh, the ringer did a, like, a top however many, like, trade value list. And, like, they had Giannis number one. I like, if you, as in, like, to be in the top five spots, you get a call, we're hanging up the phone. Like, if you get a call, like, saying, we want to trade and inquire Giannis, you're hanging up the phone, you don't care. Like, Giannis is still number one in that respect, like, in terms of trade value. And so that way you can kind of, you know, put talent to scale. But Kevin Durant is certainly, you know, top, I'd say top, a top uh, five asset potentially that like is in that same discussion, right? So like in order to get Kevin, you're going to have to give up the farm. And then if you have Kevin, suddenly after that, suddenly you have no resources, no assets, no picks for years to build anything around him and he's going to be unhappy again. Like the only way Kevin gets to a spot he wants to be at is through playing out his contract and signing somewhere. Like, I just don't – and that's – part of that's on him. If you want to get to the spot, you shouldn't have signed for as long as you did. Like, there's so many different layers to it, but those are the nuts and bolts of my my thoughts, I guess, Martin. Again, is just – they're in this impossible spot. And, you know, if I'm Brooklyn, I got to be under contract for four years. Everybody's waiting to see in the background right now about his teammate, Ben Simmons, who is – going to arbitration trying to get his like 20 million back from just taking his ball and going home and not playing for the Sixers and depending on how the legal system not the league the legal system says that hey you either got to pay this man or don't if it bodes in well the employer for an employee he didn't show up I don't know if Kevin would do that I think Kevin I do think Kevin has higher values than Ben Simmons and Kyrie Irving in terms of reporting the work but say he did um you know Brooklyn has Brooklyn knows what they have. The the value on the cars are going to go down, um, per se. But, like, they are in no rush, or should they be, to offload Kevin frickin' Durant. So that's my spiel. Okay. The only things I really want to add or piggyback off, you already said the LeBron thing. Like, everywhere he's, he's traded, he, he's never – he's always finished his deals. He's went to different teams. He's won titles. We've already talked on this podcast as much as a great player, one of the greatest of all time, yada, yada, yada. When he does leave the team that he goes to a different team, that other team is in shambles. It is what it is. But, Kevin, I've gotten to a point, man, where 
like the stuff I do on a daily basis always is about timing and not thinking of coincidences. There's always a pattern and there's something. The fact that he requested a trade the a couple like weeks after Golden State won the title and everyone was on the, well, Durant should never left Curry. That rubbed me the wrong way. I don't know if I'm the only one, but it's like you left that team. They're getting the glory for winning a fourth title. Now you're taking the headlines away because you want to get a trade, which is weird because people are saying that Golden State might be an option for the trade, which that's a whole other. I think think that's just conjecture, but you're right. I don't think that's happening either. And with this trade, man, I really – I don't think that Kevin Durant's a leader. I don't. Like, I'm at that point now. Like, Russell Westbrook was leading OKC. Steph Curry led Golden State. You come to uh, Brooklyn, it's you and Kyrie, who you wanted. Like, you wanted Kyrie there, and then everything happened, and then it's weird because, like, Kyrie is – they haven't traded Kyrie or anything like that, and he was supposed to be playing for him. So I don't know how much talk he had with Kevin when Kevin was like, hey – I'm going to request a trade. And Kevin really has been quiet about that since. He's been doing his random Kevin Durant tweets. But, yeah, I I don't like it, especially with so many years on your contract. Because I'm getting to the point, too, is like, why do we even give four or five-year contracts? Like, I'm at that point now. Like, if if we're going to do this whole after four years, you can leave. All right. From now on, we should just be given, like, one-year contracts at a time. Like, that's what we should be doing. Yeah, there's so many different layers to this. You know, I, I think my July 6th, 17th prediction is that Kevin is not going to be traded before the season starts. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, because, again, like, Brooklyn Brooklyn doesn't owe him that. Mm-hmm. They gave him the bag, man, for four years, like, for four more years. So, like, I just don't – and, too, I mean, they went out in a head-scratching move. Like, they had to have known these things are in the works. And they go out and they spend a first round pick on Royce O'Neal from Utah, who's a really good three and D player. Like, why go out and get a caliber player like that if you think they're going to be in the garbage? And like, meanwhile, there's it's just the NBA is just it's such a just so much drama. Like, it's fun. So like, meanwhile, you got you know your folks down there. You got Raphael Stone down there in Houston rubbing his fingers together, like looking at a, a nice juicy steak because they got all Brooklyn's picks in the James Harden trade. Um, and it's, you know, if it all implodes and they have to offload Durant and Irving and they're gross, guess who gets all those picks? Unprotected, I believe. Like, Yeah, it's also so showing that Harden was it. right. Harden was right to leave. Yeah. Um, and I give uh, that man yeah, a I mean, lot yeah. of crap. And I really do, but he was right to leave that place. He was right to he was right to leave that place. Um, and I don't know. I mean, there's we could we could go on and on about the Brooklyn scenario. Um, you know, I think I still think we're headed towards an inevitable. Brooklyn can't come back to the season with Kyrie Irving on the roster, and the Lakers can't come back with Russell Westbrook on the roster. Who? LeBron can't even say hi to at the same summer league game. Like they're out and Russ fired his agent. who has been with him his entire career, allegedly because he was trying to get him to come back and play ball with the Lakers and, and buy in and, and everything else. And Russ was like, no, I'm not doing that. So 
I think you've got two untradeable assets that nobody else in the league wants, and you're going to trade a poo-poo platter for a poo-poo platter on different ends there, and that's what that's going to end up. I think you get Westbrook in, in Brooklyn, or maybe even to a third team with cap space. If you send picks there, Brooklyn just doesn't want them. The Spurs have been rumored to be a spot like that. Um, they've got some some money available. But, Martin, that's, that's enough. Let's move on to some other free agency news on that side of things. I want to start real quick with James Harden. So, um, James Harden, you know, again, traded to uh, in the Ben Simmons move, um, you know, traded to Philadelphia. You know, we've seen a rapid decline of James Harden, correct, in the last few years. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he's, well, I will he's say definitely... the reason, reason for that is guy gets big when he wants to trade and and then he skinnies up real quick and loses his step. I mean, one of my favorites of actors of all time, Christian Bale, goes super for those mo- uh, roles he's in. It's not healthy. And Harden's been doing that, so that's not healthy. Yeah, he's not in good shape. Allegedly, he's been he's been in working hard. He's talking about, you know, shedding pounds and trying to get back to where he was and everything else. But I think the most important move, so he resigned with Philadelphia, but how he did it, um, you know, I got to commend him for is, um, you know, he could have opted into the final year of his deal that would have paid him, I think, north of 46 or $47 million. He declined mm-hmm. it to re-sign for about $14 million less. $14 million is still a lot to NBA players. They all have Buku bucks. They all have deals on the side. They all are getting money in from China from tours and everything else that they do over there and tons of other supplemental income. But um, he turned down $14 million. Um, so they could go out and give three years to PJ Tucker for some reason. He's going to be 40 in 10 a year. So, uh, like, I just commend him for trying to help the team and do that. Cause that's not a James Harden like move we'd see, man. So that's my first piece out of Philadelphia. And, um, you know, again, so they've, they've added PJ Tucker. And then I really like that they went out and got DeAnthony Melton from Memphis. And I don't know why Memphis gave him up. I really like DeAnthony Melton, but I think that's a really good combo guard to come in who's you know a key contributor to the Grizzlies team that you know went went uh, um, as far as they did in the West last year you know to the second round with the, the dubs before um, Jaw got hurt so um, Philadelphia is my my first topic Martin do you want to where do you want to take it next in terms of free agency news tons of places we can go well if I'm going to keep going down this road of people I've been hard on obviously I will commend James for doing that because that is not the James Harden I knew and looks like he does want to win. So congrats to that. So let's go to another player who I am super hard on going to a team. I am super hard on John Wall. The ultimate money bag securer is going to the Los Angeles Clippers. And when I first, I didn't care at all. And then we go to watching his interview where he said, oh, now the third best defender has to guard me. Oh, they're going to be in trouble acting like he is the same John Wall from Washington. And I just laughed because he's not, well, unless I'm proven wrong, he is not good from the past couple of years I've seen. So the fact that this move was hyped up at all is laughable. But yeah, John Wall to I don't- the Clippers. I don't know what we're get. I don't know what we're getting out of him either, right? Because, I mean, he he took his paycheck, and the Rockets said we're not going to pay you um, when they got off with the Westbrook contract. But he was really productive in. Um, he was really productive in DC, man. 
like even I mean even before the trade, like he had a really good year. Um, still a high assist guy. Um, now you've got two guys. Even he's just a passer, and he you know isn't so much of a scorer anymore. But I still think this guy can produce and contribute. So I'm going to zag a little bit and say, hey, I'm curious. I think you know with the Clippers being you know handcuffed you know to an extent financially, I saw some crazy Balmer number the other day of like you know what getting the tax means for him and everything else and like. It was something like if he lost, I don't know, like if he lost 1% of Microsoft stock that he owns, that's like, I don't know, that's like $600 million or something. Um, the numbers aren't quite right. And like when you're talking about the tax, like and the tax, I think where you get an election tax is about like $150 million now, like mm-hmm. where you'd have to pay like double that and essentially have a $300 million payroll. It means nothing to him. Like he'll go out and pay above and beyond and stuff. So I'm glad John Wall at least, you know, because that's got to stuff to an extent on a personal level, right? Of like right, wrong, and different. And that's, you know, what happens when you sign these big contracts and the teams feel like, oh, we got to pay our hometown guy to keep them, like Washington did. But, you know, because at, at a certain point, you could be shelved like that and shelved with Westbrook, you know, where people don't want to play you. They want to pay you to not play for them. But I'm curious, like, throw them in there. Like, they're handcuffed. The Clippers couldn't do much um, with how much you're paying. Paul George and Kawhi and folks around him. So, yeah, I like it. I mean, they he's will They will be back. Game. He could be a dud. He hasn't, he hasn't played basketball in two years, too. So, you're right. I mean, like, it's a, it's a roll of the dice. Um, but I think it's one the Clippers are, are apt to try. Yeah, well, yeah. We will – we'll see, man. It's just because I've – that guy, he has irritated me. I have gone on record. I've called him Johnny Tubbs before when he got out of shape. I uh, absolutely exploded on him when he got hurt dancing at one of his parties. And obviously, like, there's some other stuff, but I'll leave that be. So we'll see. At least half of what prime Washington John Wall was then, the Clippers got a steal because obviously they're going to be back next year. As much as I, yeah, I mean, they got Kawhi and they got my best friend, Paul George. So we'll see. We'll see. Evan, what other? Let's go to more. Go ahead. Yeah, let's go to more recent recent news. So, because um, we've been kind of playing catch up to this point. So, heading into the weekend, um, you know, we've been monitoring this. There's been two restricted free agents on the market. We've been watching. One is one Colin Sexton for the Cleveland Cavaliers, who wants to get somewhere north of twenty million a year, starting guard money, um, and he and the Cavs can't find it. So. He's going to restricted free agency to see if the team matches. If you're unfamiliar with restricted free agency, um, basically you can go out and receive an offer from a different club, but ultimately you're a restricted free agent. So the team can go out and match. So if Martin, if Martin and I couldn't come to terms on Martin's next contract on this podcast, and he goes out and signs with another group, but he's a restricted free agent, all I got to do is say, I'll match those same terms dollar for dollar, year for year. And then Martin has to come back and sign with me, basically. So that's where we're at with Colin Sexton. But DeAndre Ayton, so we've, we've talked about, could that have been a, a go bear piece? Um, yes, we have. And we'll touch on that in a second. We'll touch on that in a second. Because um, we knew that there's going to be some movement there. So DeAndre Ayton signs an offer sheet. Uh, with the Indiana Pacers, one of two teams essentially with cap room left. It's them and San Antonio. The Pistons had some money, but through some trades with the Knicks and um, some other things that start signing Marvin Bagley that 
Uh, that's all but kind of gone up. So they throw the max in them. Four years, and the Suns match it. So why would the Suns go through all this? I think essentially um, Aiton was pushing for that fifth year, so they got a fifth year. They didn't have to pay Aiton, but ultimately they didn't want to lose the asset. So I, I don't know that I've ever seen a, a team match so quickly for a young, young pick like that, former number one overall pick. Um, but I was kind of looking forward to seeing DeAndre Ayton in, in Indiana to an extent, but uh, he will remain with the Phoenix Suns. So, Martin, back to the Gobert thing. I want to um, say, hold on, Evan, hold on. Here's what happened. Yeah, yeah. want to stay with the Pacers, though, and the Ayton thing, because we both said that Ayton was going to be out of there. He got benched in that Game 7 annihilation against yep. the Mavs, and we've talked about another one of, like, going – going to the Mavs because they need a big guy and all that. But I do want to say with Indiana because Malcolm Brogdon, he is going to Boston, and I think that is a big move. I think so, too. Um, so he's they, uh, they got off that contract for Indiana. Um, obviously, Boston was hurt without, you know, another uh, ball handler down the stretch and all the turnovers that Tatum had and Mark trying to facilitate more than he ought to. And same thing with uh, White. But, um, yeah, I really like the pickup there, too. Um, and, you know, the Celtics were a, a byproduct of another move, too. Um, they have Danilo Gallinari as another guy who could give them some, you know, give Brown and Tatum some spells during the regular season. I don't know how much you're able to play him defensively in the playoffs, but, um, you know, the stretch big, being able to, to step out and hit threes. He was um, – cut from San Antonio after San Antonio received a godfather offer for one DeJounte Murray um, from Atlanta, which they gladly accepted. Um, they are all in on the Victor Wimbanyana sweepstakes for next year's draft, the San Antonio yeah. Spurs. Um, so a couple of different pieces there. Yeah, I think the Celtics absolutely improved this offseason at getting proven vets in Brogdon and Gallinari. I think they could still use some depth, maybe with some buyout guys or what have you. And I really like their um, their final pick in the the draft, Martin. Too, I think he really balled out. Um, that would be who were the JD Davison from Alabama. Mm-hmm. That's another name to watch. I almost included him in my three. I mean, he had twenty some the other night too. Like Duke can flat score too. So um, you've got that. So the Hawks, you know, put a defensive-minded guard on the opposite side of, of Trey um, and a high-profile name. The guy was almost a walking triple-double last year, DeJounte Murray, all-star. You know, I think the, the East is definitely um, adding more weapons, and it's becoming more of a, an arms race once again. Yeah, I just wanted to make sure we highlighted that because obviously a team who we know the story, a lot of people, I mean – even including us to an extent, had them dead in the water because they were 11th. And then they were the final nail in the coffin in the Brooklyn Nets, sweeping them and then making it to the NBA Finals, taking the Warriors to six. So when the champions, I'm mean not champions, the runners-up improve, got to highlight it. And I don't think they may not be done. But... It might not be. So the, I guess just staying on the East train here, um, you know, I also kind of – like some of the moves Milwaukee's made. I really like them drafting Marjon Beauchamp um, from the G League night. Um, long defender, can shoot threes. Not a fairly productive summer league, but also, so they, 
They re-signed Bobby Portis for good money. They needed to retain him. Um, and then also they made a little bit of an investment on a guy coming off an ACL tear and one Joe Ingles. Um, I think that absolutely had to um, their depth, another um, person to kick it out to. And he'll be asked to do, I think, a lot less other than just kind of catch and shoot and stuff. And he's a very, very capable defender um, for his size and skill set, you know, not having as much foot speed as other guys. But I really like that move. I mean, you don't expect him back probably to February, March, but heading the playoffs. I think Joe Engel on the, the box is a great move, too. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And, you know, keeping Bobby Portis, I, I love that. When he uh, tweeted the four more years, loved it. Are we going to talk about Minnesota? <sighs> we, we have to. I mean, to quote one of WrestleMania 31, Michael Cole, when Seth Rollins came down to cash in, the heist of the century. Uh, this was the heist of the century for the Utah Jazz because they got a... They got more than I ever anticipated. And I know you were just utterly flabbergasted when we were talking about this whole situation. So, Evan, go ahead. Where to start, man? So, first off, you've got former Boston Celtics exec retiree Danny Ainge doing this again. Um, pulling the heist of the century, getting the Brooklyn, placing the Brooklyn Nets for all their draft capital that they'd used to get Jalen Brown and um jason tatum and uh you name it for his older aging superstars um at the time he retired left boston and then his good buddy buys the utah jazz and he's coming back and he's running that so um he snags will hardy um as the a, a prime assistant off boston's uh coaching staff this year and then he starts listening to offers um i think we are expecting a donovan mitchell trade at some point too but, I mean, these, these are like Paul George and Kawhi-level returns for a guy you're going to be paying $50 million to in the next, like, what, two, three years he has left in Rudy Gobert. So, Carl Anthony Towns, we found out really – we've heard, heard it over and over, but this move says Carl Anthony Towns really does not like to play center, even though he's seven foot. So, you now have him. They're kind of doing the Cavs-West thing with the jumbo lineup. but. I just can't fathom of how many picks and pick swaps and to get um, Walker Kessler, their first round pick this year, seven footer. So essentially like you've got him as a first rounder. I think they gave up uh, four, four picks too. I can't remember how many, I think all of them are unprotected. Um, I got to start looking up some of the details, but like, I'm just dumbfounded that like if you're Minnesota, who are you bidding against to pay that amount of money to? And of course, Danny Ainge would pull this off because the guy always overvalues his assets and everything else. And every once in a while, a sucker's born every day. So you've also got the working dynamics of Timberwolves that you've got kind of this weird like onboarding. I'm, I'm still not quite sure, Martin, how this works. But um, for those unfamiliar, Alex Rodriguez's group, MLB All-Star, um, 600 home run club Alex Rodriguez, um, has purchased the Minnesota Timberwolves. But there's like this weird exit stage where there's like onboarding of like well Alex Rodriguez team are on like training for the next two years then they get full reign to the franchise so like I'm not sure where this weird like internship thing came from but obviously these guys had a hand in that decision um you see this all the time with new owners right they come in they want to make a big splash they want to they want to put their stamp on it and be like yep 
the turnarounds because of me and rarely does it work out. Um, I think you and I have read enough about leadership stuff and uh, things over the years to know that like anytime you're coming into a new leadership position, you need to figure out in the landscape of people and culture and direction, um, history and everything else for like six, seven, eight months before you make any big decisions. And this is yet another example of why it's a bad idea to try to expedite time. Time, time is needed for these things to come to fruition. So gross overpayment, um, you know, I think they'll be productive. I think the Wolves will certainly be productive here. Um, they also get slow-mo from Memphis, which I think is definitely good. Kyle Anderson, um, a proven vet to come into. Still think they'd like to move off the Angeles contract. You know, the sky's the limit with um, Anthony Edwards. Like, this team's trending in a good direction. Um, you know, I think they'll be competitive. I think they'll be a – potentially could be a 4-3 seed. Do I see them, you know, getting Gobert played off the court in the playoffs like he always does every single year by smaller guards? Yes. Yes, I do. Um, yeah, just, just an astounding overpayment. And like, now you're like, does this, if that's what Gobert commands, what is Kevin Durant going to command? Kevin is going to be, shoot. I mean, if that's what he commands, it's what, 10 first round picks. So that's 10 years. That's a decade worth of picks, which, I don't know if I'm doing that for anyone unless you're doing like, unless you really know you can win now, which injuries and all of that. I mean, I wouldn't have done this stuff for Rudy. I didn't see him going to Minnesota again. I thought he was going to go to Dallas. Dallas have done really absolutely nothing because they've lost, which we talked about. We said Brunson was going to get big money just because of one series and it happened. So I don't know what Dallas is doing, but just to say, I thought Gobert was going to go there. Yeah, so the Jazz the Jazz get Malik Beasley, capable guy, Patrick Beverly, capable guy, Leandro Balmero, salary filler, basically. Again, first-round pick, Walker Kessler, Jared Vanderbilt, who I really liked, um, a 2023 first, 2025 first, 2026 pick swap, 2027 first, and 2029 first. I just – I there's no way in 2029 you're not going to regret that you gave all those things up. There's no, no. way. And that's part of the thing too, right? Is if you're if you're an NBA GM and you're playing these things out, making big swings, for a lot of these guys and these front office execs, you never have to live out the consequences of your own actions, right? Like, mm-hmm. hey, if it works out, great. If not, these guys get recycled enough in the brotherhood of the NBA that you know their family will be in another franchise by them, another city by them. So there's so many so many wrinkles to that. Yeah, to to the Dallas point, yeah, I mean they've they've lost um they they picked up um uh christian wood from houston i think definitely a a really good pick and roll option for luca but you obviously need more than that you need another ball handler you need um they're still paying tim hardaway too much money um you know they they definitely need more talent around them and it's still got the you know 2003 to 2010 Cavs vibes of like what are you putting around this megastar here Saw a stat today on Luca of, you know, he's 23, how many first team all NBAs he has compared to other people. At 23, he already has more than Dwayne Wade. Would you okay, believe that? Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Yes, I did see that stat, which stat is true. Is it but fake that I get duped? No, no, no. You're, no, you're right. The stat is true, but 
with those numbers and stuff, you got to put in context because obviously, I mean, as long as we've been watching it, we knew back then it was super strict on your first team all selections because remember, Dwayne Wade was playing with prime Kobe, so he was never going to get first team all NBA shooting guard. That just wasn't going to happen while Kobe was there. And then because I saw like the Dallas Muse, they posted and said there's levels to this. And I was like, okay, let's not be disrespectful here. Dwayne Wade's third year in the NBA, to me, is probably the greatest third year of all time because that NBA Finals, when they were down 0-2 to those said Mavericks, and that Finals is one of the top 10 Finals I have seen in my able-to-comprehend basketball lifetime. He let the world on fire. Great, great, great points, Martin. Third greatest, um, third greatest younger. shooting guard of all time. So let's 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 because I saw some Maverick people saying, "Oh yeah, that shows how much better D Wade." I mean Lucas and D Wade. And I was like, one, let's calm that down on that stat. Let's bring up the stuff in the finals. Obviously, Luca hasn't been there. D Wade is also the leading shot blocker for shooting guards, which is above Kobe, Black Mamba, Bean Bryant, and the Ghost in Chicago, who wears twenty three. We know him as Michael Jordan. So. D-Wade plays both sides. Let's calm that down. If D-Wade Prime was playing like right now where it wasn't as physical because he was in the mid-2000s with LeBron and all them, it did be different. But you were right on the set. It's just I, I have to – people sometimes sleep on the third no, greatest you're... shooting guard of all time. We get we get ahead of ourselves a little bit. You're exactly right. But, again, the, the underlying point was the one you originally made of what what is Dallas doing this off yeah. season? And they've they've now lost. Yeah, they lost Jalen Brunson. Um, and you know, again, I think that's. I mean, if they move some money, maybe that could be a Colin Sexton destination where they offer him a high amount of money. To they got something, but I mean, Colin's coming off an ACL tear too. Like you don't know what you're not getting. So I don't. I don't know. We'll we'll see on that front, but. Uh, very, very interesting. Martin, looking across the landscape, obviously we've got the looming Westbrook and Kyrie thing we're waiting out on. Um, you know, there's I'm trying to rattle my rattle my head through different moves and stuff. There are a lot of players staying home, I think, is maybe the last piece. Because I, I think we've just about covered everything. There are a lot of players staying home and getting the bag. Um, obviously, the famed DG, the PG, Darius Garland, receiving the largest contract in NBA history, that's no slight to what the Cavs have given LeBron in the past. LeBron took a lot of short-term deals and took down mega money or turned down mega money over longer years because he wanted the flexibility and not be stuck somewhere like Kevin Durant is now. Um, and also, too, the evolution of the NBA TV contracts and everything else. We're giving away record money now. Um, Nikola Jokic is going to be a 260-some player, million a year, or not million a year, 260-some million over the course of contract player. Bradley Beal re-ups. He's going to be a 260-some-plus uh, player. Uh, oh, also with all that, it takes is bringing, one bringing that Damian, up with Bradley. Yeah. I just want to say, too, like, from now on, that officially kills Bradley Beal going to somewhere else because this dude just re-ups with the Wizards every time. He's not leaving, guys. Let's just stop it. Never bring it up ever again. Carry on. And same thing to do with, with his compatriot out west and Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard's not going anywhere either. He's also going to be paid. And two, I mean, you get into these structures, right, where, like, first off, I applaud guys that that want to go in and, and, and say, I want my, my entire career to be all on one team. 
because it's happening so infrequently anymore. So I, I applaud those guys because I think on the back end, they know that, hey, I'm going to get this money. I'm going to secure things for my family, everything else. This is a job. I like it enough here that, you know, I, I think there's a high likelihood we're never going to win an NBA title. But um, I'm going to continue to give it my all. My hope is that I'm proven wrong. But, like, I don't think Bradley Beal or Damian Lillard are going to win NBA titles on those franchises, you know, until they, you know, through their retirement. I don't think it's going to happen. And I think they know that. But, like, I applaud guys that want to stick it out one place, want to invest in the community over and over. Um, I heard Roger Bell talking on his podcast on Saturday about, you know, again, he feels like because he, you know, a lot of people know him as a son. A lot of person, people know him as a member of the Utah Jazz. I think he played for another team uh, somewhere in between two. He might have been on the Spurs at one point. But, um, like, he just feels – he talked about just kind of feeling homeless, right? Like, he, he'd love to have a spot where, like, you know, like people know, know you well around the community. Like, you know, again, that like, you know, people, you can still go to a, a barbecue or a, a country club and, you know, 20 years after done playing, be like, that's, that's Roger. Like, oh man, those, those, those six teams. Like he feels like he moved enough that that's the case. And like, look at Kevin Durant too. Like when he goes in the hall of fame, like he's probably going to wear a Golden State Warriors hat. But like, again, everybody's still going to feel weird about that when you move so many times, you're like homeless, but, um, you know, home is where those two guys have made it. And, you know, the Portland trailblazers and the Washington wizards have made sure that they've, um, supported that financially and quite literally given them the bag. Same thing with the Oak kitchen. Yeah. I mean, the last superstars really, I mean, which actually defines like you and I's, like era, obviously like LeBron and them, but Kobe, Tim Duncan, Dirk. Dirk? Yeah. Kobe, Tim Duncan, Dirk. All three stayed on the same team, whole careers, Hall of Famers, legendary players, champions. Like we're not gonna get that. I think the closest we'll get now is the people on the Warriors. Like they will be the net, like if they ever don't leave. Yeah, and I think you know it's that's the wrong example of, you know, wrong as in like they're not going to be successful. I think that's more on ownership. But um, I want to pull up this quote on from 2019 from Steve, uh, Steve Kerr um, that Bill Simmons shared today, talking about, you know, how Olympic basketball, right? And noticing that, hey, like I saw some really good out of bounds plays. He basically said, I really saw some out of bounds plays that I really liked Australia's using um, back in 2012. And 10 years later, they're still using the same out of bounds plays. And he goes, and that's, he said, that's in, in with the same team. He's like, that's an advantage for folks like France, um, and, you know, or for uh, like Australia and Spain. When Spain went on to win that tournament, and, mm-hmm. you know, he says you've got Rubio, Gasol, Rudy Fernandez, Sergio Lull, the usual suspects. It's a good reminder, Kerr says, of how important continuity is in the game, how beautiful it is when players know each other, know each other's tendencies. From an American standpoint, that's the fight we're up against. From a coaching standpoint, it's sort of confirmation of what I already believe. The sum of the parts is not as great as the total value you get from being together. So whether that's USA basketball on an international level or the Golden State Warriors, it matters when you know your teammates, their tendencies, their personalities on and off the court and everything else. And while those three players are going to be mainstays, I think, in that next generation of Dirk and Kobe um, that you and Duncan that you've been speaking of, all this player movement and stuff, like, yeah, you can find lightning in the bottle, like it's like the 2019 Raptors, 
and you know, a certain point talent will be really good talent will be, um, you know, just talent in general when you got enough um, star power there. But like, I think that's how I wouldn't, I mean, that's why I think gold state surprised everybody this year to a certain extent is I think they really benefited from all these players playing together for as long as they have the continuity piece, you know, and where everybody else is just, you know, a couple of years away from that. I think Boston's working their way towards that. They've been in conversations for five or six years, Eastern finals, everything else. And at a certain point, you know, the injuries, you never know, but you've got to have that consistency piece there. I think you're exactly right. Yeah. So I don't want to stay on too, too long since we've already eclipsed the hour mark. So I just want to hit on a couple quick things and then we will be back on another podcast uh, talking about more NBA offseason as we're going to start getting ready for the season. So quick, quick, quick things. Evan, uh, Portland, since we were talking about Damian Lillard, they won the Summer League Championships. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, this is the first year they gave the Summer League champ rings. And the rings are nice, but for Summer League, what are we doing? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. They were, like, all jumping over the table this afternoon. Um, it just, like, I think it's a cool wrinkle to an ad to an extent, but it's a novelty, like, like, we're talking summer league. Like there might be two guys on this team that make the roster. Like everybody's fighting for their lives, their careers, everything else that summer league is. But like, I don't know. I saw the one guy from the Cavs stream yesterday was talking about, man, if you win a summer league ring and a championship NBA championship ring and a team USA ring, NCAA title ring, you're like collecting the basketball infinity stones. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Oh um, my but, lord! But uh, yeah, again, I think it's a novelty. I don't think there's a lot of merit in it. I think like the current players don't care, obviously, because they wouldn't be in a position where they need to fight for their life for their next contract and playing a summer league. Like Kevin Durant wanted to play in a summer league again, those kinds of things. But like, I mean, I like that the NBA continues to try to find new things. You know, they've added in a new role about. Uh, getting free throw in position for take fouls behind the play um, so players don't get hurt. Like, they're continuing to try to find and evolve basketball. They're going to get that play-in tournament at some point. C.J. McCollum, the, the player's president, was talking about that on a broadcast the other day. Like, they won't install it next year, but like the, the year after, they'll figure it out. Like, they're continuing to try to evolve basketball. Um, and sometimes you take some – in all those swings, you're going to miss a couple times, and these wings are a miss. <laughs> Other thing, um, news, short thing, talk about like a summer league thing. LeBron made his return to the Drew League for the first time since the NBA lockout. Uh, him and DeRozan, which you cleverly said, as he said, shout out to Debo. And obviously your last name is Debo. LeBron had like 42. Talking about me, not DeRozan. <laughs> he had like 42 points, like 16 rebounds and all of that jazz. And him and DeRozan. one by two. Yeah, yeah which... Well, I know Skip and Shannon are going to have a field day with that tomorrow, undisputed. But it was cool to see. And Magic Johnson had a tweet that I did like how, I don't know, he was like, thank you, LeBron, for coming to the Drew League. It's possible to like a Magic Johnson tweet. He must have done really good. Yeah. Well, it wasn't that part about the Drew League. It was the part that he said that with LeBron playing there, a lot of people who cannot afford – like tickets to the crypto center, AKA Staples center. They got to see him play in person for a much cheaper thing, which that part I did really appreciate because we forget, man, like when we talk about load management, which was one of my biggest things, 
these tickets ain't cheap like they're really not so like when you save up paycheck after paycheck after paycheck to go to games to see one player and that player decides eh, i don't feel like playing today i'm gonna do load management it sucks so but magic saying that i really did that brought it home like dang that's actually a really good point magic it is a good it is a good point memphis memphis grizzlies and uh hosting the milwaukee bucks uh back in march i was like eight rows off the floor um i was driving down to memphis on a friday and news broke that Java was going to be out. Um, and that was the first game of that long outage he was out, and I was devastated. But, you know, even for – you're right. I mean, it's, when players can't play, like, it, it just – it kills you. And then, obviously, again, everything you put into being able to you know, carve out time and, you know, figure out parking and pay for tickets, you're exactly right. Um, you know, to the Jury League, Jury League piece, um, so there's a foundation behind it. Um, highly encourage listeners to go look that up and see all the good work they do and, communities across the um the country but um it's really got a grassroots feel to it like i love i guess that record park is just authentic basketball where like you know there's still a referee they're still calling fouls you know here and there and stuff but like it's just a little bit more like you know you don't have to get your team in the flow of an offense you can just chuck it to lebron in the post and you can just check it a bunch of times like um and he check himself and dunk on fools like and that's what he did. I mean, these poor guys who like found out the day before hey, LeBron's gonna lace them up tomorrow. Like, what the heck? And like, you know, these are good players that are you never are gonna make it in the NBA, but it's so good. And you know, this is their Super Bowl thing to be involved with this. But um, you know, while we're in a lull of the off season here, heading into July, unless Kevin Durant trade news breaks or um, um, Donovan Mitchell news breaks on a trade, I highly encourage folks. Um, if you've not already seen Adam Sandler's new movie, so it's got some vibes to the Jury League piece in it, too. So go out and see that on Netflix. Um, about uh, uh, So Rancho Hernan Gomez plays this guy named Bo Cruz, who um, Sandler scouts and just finds one night. Um, Alex uh, overseas uh, just playing, you know, in a, in a park league, packed house, camera phones, everything else, and, you know, gets him to get drafted in the NBA. Um, so if you haven't had a chance to go see that and you're missing basketball in the next month or so, go see that. But there's just something authentic about, um, you know, again, just that, that neighborhood environment, that small town environment and the packed gym and, um, all the oohs and ahs and, um, you know, the, the hype up stuff that like, it, it was awesome to see LeBron back in the fold. And Kyrie allegedly was supposed to play yesterday too and changed his mind. Imagine that. He was it. He was it. He was just, a Lakers assistant coach, former Cavs assistant coach, Bill Handy's camp for kids. But, like, clearly it's both in existence where they're expecting to come. You didn't show. Uh, just quick things you brought up Memphis. Uh, you know, John Morant, which I think was obviously with the media taken way out of context, and ESPN getting gypped thinking of tweet from Ballsack, whatever sports thing was real. You know, saying that he would cook MJ, that obviously got a whole bunch of things. I like the nasty. Yes. Yeah. So obviously every, every player thinks they're going to cook whoever is guarding them. That's just the way players are. And so I really didn't think anything of it. He didn't say he was better than him. He just said he would cook him, but she probably would get him a couple plays, but let's just get this straight. If they play one-on-one, John Morant would get smoked. And that's, that's it from that. But Evan, man, anything else before we close? I know we are catching up our listeners on a whole bunch of NBA stuff, so we apologize. 
for being away and having a super long pod for y'all, but at least you get all this basketball content. And we'll be back. Um, when, like Evan said, if KD gets traded, Donovan Mitchell, there's a whole bunch of offseason news we didn't hit on, but we will be back soon. So we will not be far away. Evan, anything else? Yeah, I think that's it. I think we've covered covered most of it. Um, yeah, we'll be back on the event. Um, one of those two major trades happens. But other than that, we'll be getting ready for the, the season and camps that start up in September. So it'll be a while without basketball. So we're going to find something to fill us in. Um, uh, it's okay. Uh, we it's we cool. live in a state where our our state season begins next month with Ohio State college football coming Ohio back. State college football. So we'll be there shortly. But nope, we'll uh, we'll break uh, trade news when it comes up. Other than that. Uh, with that being said, thank you everyone for listening to the L7C podcast. Make sure you like, rate, comment, subscribe. Thank you all again for the continued support you guys have been showing this mom and pop podcast, and we really appreciate it. And we'll keep giving you great content. With that being said, thank you for listening to L7C podcast. Signing out. Thank you for listening to this episode of the L7C podcast. Be sure to like, rate, review, and subscribe to the channel. Follow us on all social media platforms, and we'll be talking to you guys soon. Take care.